Okay, let us start with a word of prayer. Father in heaven, we are grateful for the opportunities you give us to to learn, to share, and yes, to experience how you work in nature. And we thank you for that. This we pray in Christ's name. Amen. And we would like to start with a thought how God is working with us through nature. And here I have to share with you an experience just made on Saturday afternoon. On Sunday afternoon, sorry. Sunday afternoon. It, when you look at this picture, we just walk in the forest, kind of on the ridge. On the other side, lots of sunshine, and that's what we tried to find, was sunshine. As you see that picture, it was like God was speaking to us through nature and giving that picture as a whatever it is, an angel in wintertime sitting there and just studying, praying perhaps. But it was just for us, for my wife and myself, it was a impression that God wants to give us these special treats from nature. So we were happy for that and we continued the, the walk we had thinking of how nature is working in the soil, under the snow, on top of the soil, in the atmosphere. So, as I myself have looked at the process of how we work with nature, how we work in gardening, I came to learn more and more of the microbial activity in the soil, in the plant, and actually in our food. So, the whole process has to do with a sacrificial process of the microbiology in the soil, the different microbes, the different bacteria, the different protozoas. It's a whole science you can study. I myself, I would take it next time I would have to go to school again, I would take that subject, microbiology. Biochemistry is amazing. It's that process when God said from dust to dust. To imagine that all life is present in that dust 
together with God's breath. Amazing. And so we as gardeners, as agriculturists, we actually have wandered quite far away. And there is a trend to come back to nature. And so as we studied it, let's read in Romans 12.1. Maybe some of you have Romans 12.1. It gives us the concept what is happening in the soil and what is happening in our own lives. Romans 12.1. Somebody has it? Could you read it for us? I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. Yes. Thank you. In the... So in some versions, it is put, the living sacrifice is put, a sacrifice living, the living is put after sacrifice. It's still somewhat the same meaning, but it gives a different emphasis on sacrifice. In other words, the sacrifice which in this case it's us is living it's not just something who dies at the sacrificial event but it's living and that is precisely what is happening in the soil and at the end I will give you some addresses where you can go and check out some of the research which is just happening the last 20, 30 years and intensifying right now. So I would then like to hear from you as well how you experienced that transition from the chem- back from the chemical back to the natural. A claiming of the blessings is also the other part which we must do. We must have the faith for it to claim what God has promised. Let's go to the Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy 28. And once you have time, you would like to read the whole first part of the chapter from 1 till about 14. For today, we just take the last part, and that is 13 and 14. If somebody has that in English... Deuteronomy 28. 13 and 14. 13 and 14. Yes. 
and the Lord shall make thee the head and not the tail. And thou shalt be above only, and thou shalt not be beneath. If that thou hearken unto the commandments of the Lord thy God, which I command thee this day to observe and to do them. 14. Yeah. And thou shalt not go aside from any of the words which I command thee this day, to the right hand or to the left hand, to go after other gods to serve them. Yes. And now you need to read verse 12 as well. Verse 12. The Lord shall open unto thee his good treasure, the heaven to give the rain unto the land in his season, and to bless all the work of thine hand, and thou shalt lend unto many nations, and thou shalt not borrow. So, to start gardening, agriculture, perhaps as your market garden, perhaps as your income. We have a concept which is starting in Oribio agriculture. Oribio agriculture has been extensive extensively practiced in Germany, Switzerland, and then it moved also up to Scandinavia. We had a movement where the research from some, you could call them teachers, professors, which were connected with the soil, have put practice and theory together and worked especially with the soil life. So, Oribeal is organic, biological, and we will hear more of that. We will address it as Oribeal. And still today, you can go on internet and you give in Oribeal. There's a whole list of different activities under organic biological agriculture. What is can I ask a question? Yes, sure. Uh, what is the difference between organic and human? Good question. The organic part is we only use organic fertilizer, for example. No chemical fertilizers, no chemical herbicide, pesticides. But the biological part, even in organic agriculture, is largely missing. Because that's the part in how we feed our microbes in the soil. And it's quite a science. You can make it quite... Uh, Scientific, so scientific that you get a microscope and you take a sample and you find out what you have. And then you learn where to get the missing microbes to have the balance. And when we are in that process, that's the biological part. 
which is now growing. I will give you those addresses. For example, the Rodale Institute in the U.S. has done work with that for at least 35, 40 years. And just now, they're concentrating this and bringing the importance of that to us gardeners, to us farmers. And so, therefore, it's organic, biological. So there is a huge difference. Because we have today some organic farmers, even organic certified, which uh, are using methods who are still killing some of our friends mm. in the soil. Mm. Yes. Give you an example. In the apple production, we could use copper sulfates, which are too strong for the microbes in the soil. Mm. And so a organic biological orchard We'll not use these products no more, but we'll use, for example, a compost tea where we have those microbes and multiply them and then apply them in small amounts. And this, it's still biological. It's not biodynamic. It's just a biological process. And here we say we grow with nature and we grow to live and when you think of we grow to live yes not growing with nature growing with the chemicals our food is missing nutrients is missing enzymes it is missing the life activity which we so much need to stay healthy or to get healthy if we're already in serious conditions. And then the other part is we grow to give. Mm -hmm. And that is <coughs> such a blessing. We when I say Louise, my wife, myself, and together with the bakery crew, which we work with in Norway, and it's called the bakery is called Mana Vita, so the bread of life, which is the end result of growing with this biological process. So we grow to live. And this, I would put it so far, this is warfare against his people, God's people, to break our capability down, to make intelligent decisions, to even slow our brain power. So it is proven today with from the scientific world that it does work to work together with the soil microbes. Mm -hmm.
here just a little diversity. So in Norwegian, we call it Mangfold i Naturen, diversity in nature. So the challenge for us is how do we practically do that? And myself, growing up with agriculture, studied agriculture, taught agriculture, but I have to admit, it took me a long time to fully grasp that concept that I don't have to turn the soil. Mm -hmm. It was really a, a revelation for me how, that it does work. And just the last 10-15 years, I really applied this method. Now, we are still in 2020, we have, most of us have jobs outside of agriculture, you know, agriculture or the gardening is sort of a, it's a hobby or it's a sideline, but few, let's just hear from you, how many of you have it as a hobby or as a, a sideline, how many have a garden? Okay, some of you would like to have one. Well, I know some of them, they have worked with gardens. That, that counts as well. It's, the situation is not a... Once more, I didn't see back here. What was it? No, I would like to have. You would like to have. Okay, how many would like to have? Okay, so we have a good amount. And I know some have probably been on the sideline when your parents had a garden, but haven't really gotten into it to do it yourself. So today I will give you some samples in how to do different systems. And then we also will give you in the, I don't know if some of you would like to participate in a other workshop, I, I will in a break time, I will also have some catalogs, I will lay them on the table here. So you can see material, and especially one catalog I will put there, which teaches us how to do it. So we don't need to actually do that today. Today we need to know the system I would like to use, and then how I would like to transform it into the biological system, and how I can do it very small in my basement, or how I can do it large-scale market farm, or even a large-scale farm. I go so far as an organic large-scale farm. I know we have uh, students here who have worked on large farms, myself as well. It took me at least 20 years to make the switch from the conventional large-scale farm to a small, smaller organic farm. And just now to the organic biological farm. So, concepts. Concept, f 
for us is we want to not just think of the garden. It has the purpose. It feeds us. It's it's that part which we live from. Now, my wife and myself, we don't have our own land in Norway. We just have, we rent a house, but the God has blessed us, has put us in the middle of a big farm. And when we got there, the person was very critical of this. He knew we were Adventists. And he said, well, you will change our lives if I rent you the house. Mm -hmm. And I said, I have no intention to change your life. But I do like agriculture. And so he did give us the house. And that's now about six years ago. He also then decided after about a year, he decided we're going to get a piece of land. First we got a garden and then we got a bigger piece of land. And so now this is just the garden where we had potatoes in the beginning. So all the, the different vegetables. Then I put together a list, but it doesn't come through very well. And so I would I make a copy once if you leave your email address and I just send you a copy because you don't really see it good enough. But plan anyway you would have to make for yourself is what you yourself have locally. In other words, what you have in Arndal, in an area, I put it this way, you can drive in half an hour or, you know, in an hour. So you're locally capable of su- surviving in the garden with seeds, with whatever you would need in compost, in trees, in berries. In other words, once you're really getting into it, you become an outpost. That means you're the one who is now learning to save, first grow the plants, grow the trees, and then you have one more step to go. And I'm still learning on that one too. Is saving the seeds. Some of them I'm quite comfortable but anything I haven't done myself, you can't be really comfortable because you just can speak from theory. But, for example, the wild part, which is just around you, that also becomes part of your garden. In Norway, Denmark, I know you have this as well, Nuppe. In Sweden, I know you have. So, if you just 
Now think in your mind, and that's the list. You're going to have to establish yourself. What is possible in your area that you can grow? You can get the seeds for it. In other words, possibilities with greens, possibilities with berries, possibilities with free-growing bushes, trees, many, many apple trees, plum trees, and down here in Denmark, I I haven't seen, but I'm sure you have walnut trees. Yes. You do have? Mm. Yeah, Arndal, can you get? Uh, yeah, I haven't seen in Norway very many. They say it does exist at the very southern part. And Denmark, I do believe its climate is mild enough. You already have these little flowers out there right now. By us, they're deep in the snow. So, just to give you a quick, quick overview on what you have to look for. What can you harvest fresh? What can you harvest to be stored? So that you also have something over winter time? And then you evaluate the hemisphere as we did with the walnut trees. You evaluate hazelnuts, for example. Do you have hazelnuts here? Yes. Yes? We have a few, but very few in Norway. Very few. Now, Switzerland would be very similar to, to Denmark. And then I also evaluate which seeds I can grow easily in a larger quantity. And what could you think of a seed you could grow, and you could grow quite a few of them. What would come to your mind? Pumpkins. Say it again? Pumpkins. Yes, pumpkins, absolutely. Ukula. Say it again? Ukula. 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 Yes, ukula. That's a green. That's a part of the salad. Yes. Corsa like a weed. Yes. It gets quite high and you can continue to, to harvest. Yes. I love it. it it's really, yes. No, the whole cabbage family. The whole cabbage family. Right. How does the cabbage family, when does the cabbage family make its seeds? It depends. Sorry, it depends. Normally the second year. Normally, right. Yes. And I even make the green cabbage. Brassicas, it would be like broccoli, cauliflower. All the the way from mustard to horseradish. Right. It's, it's all in the same family. Right. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Mustards and you have even the, the I, I believe the sugar beet is in the same family. No, I don't think is it? No, no, no it's not. That one is not. Some of them are very strange to be in that family. All right. So. And then you have the cucumbers, which go like in a squash type mm-hmm. family. You ha- can easily save those seeds. 
they're big and they're easy to, to dry. Yes. So I, I do make myself a list what I have in the area I work with. For example, right now we work in Central America, in Honduras. And so we go and see what do you have there. And there's things like papaya, like the guavas. And, I mean, they have much more variety than, than we have. We have to work up in the north much harder to, for our food than they have to work down there. So in reality, should be there should be absolutely no poverty in the southern hemisphere. There shouldn't be. Mm-hmm. Now, just a thought while we make that list. I have to watch when initially, like in the stage, if you decide I would like to be a seed exchange. Mm. I would like to be a educational post, you could say, for the village. For ourselves, that already works now. That garden with the potatoes I showed you, with the vegetables, we'll see some more, is already now in that whole area where we live. We get comments all the time. They come... How can I do that? How, you know, you become an outreach to them. And they gain a confidence. There's a, a large uh, trucking firm, yes, maybe five, six kilometers away. And not long ago he came by and he, he said how he really appreciates that we value the gardens again. There are hardly any gardens, and there have been a few ten years ago, but now very few. But there's still a few, and people still have it in their mind, actually we would like to. And first step is, we want the garden to have the kind of food who doesn't degenerate us. Cancer, degenerative diseases, it's all around. And it doesn't just escape me either. We have very dedicated young people who have who know the concept and still have received heavy attacks with cancer. So it doesn't totally exclude, but it really helps us to, it's one brick in that building which helps us to stay healthy as God has intended it. So, this list is actually the most important part for for your work. Mm -hmm. And to find out, and then to start experimenting what you actually can do with these different plants. For example, Mütte. Nüppe, I think you call it here. We call it rose hips in, in English. What did you hear or have you done with rose hips, for example? 
Have you ever taken, and I have to admit, not all of them are quite the same. So I usually, and it varies in very close proximity. You make tea? Yeah, yes. Yes. I saw a recipe for roast hip pie. If you go around and taste them, the only thing you got to be a little careful that it's not too far gone, and perhaps a worm made a home in there as well. So it's sort of like by the raspberries. Sometimes you eat the worm, you never know. But if you see him, it's a different story. <laughs> so, the rose hip, if you just try him, it tastes just like a chen. It really is tasty. But not all of them that are, have the same sweetness. <coughs> and rather quickly, you have a lot of rose hips, and you can make excellent chen. And it gives you something different in winter time when very high vitamin C and you really you know it's, it's helping if you would have to live from your area yes you kind of press it out yeah used to you can steam them out but then the enzymes are all dead so if you study the way you can preserve with the lactobacteria fermentation, is a, there's a controversy in some people. They do not agree with the bacterial fermentation, but I do believe we need to study what's Type of fermentation it is. Uh, in, in Sweden, there's a, a rose family that has a, a bush, the park, the park rose. I don't know the, the correct name for it. In Swedish, it's called Breasnus. And it's actually banned from planting because it spreads like crazy. But it gives these huge rose hips. Okay. And you t just take a spoon and scoop out the, the, the seeds and you can just make a fresh marmalade out of it. It's delicious. Yeah, yeah. I think some berries in Stavanger is also, and I was surprised that the birds help me because the birds they open the rose hip and they eat all the seeds inside, so only the outside are left. And I was thinking if the birds before they fly to Spain or Morocco they eat the seeds because they contain a lot of energy. So I was thinking, how can we humans use them? Can we make, make kind of oil because we use olive oils and uh, sesame oil? Is it possible to use the seeds for some oil or some? I eat the seeds. I I don't mind them. I think they clean me out. <laughs> I I didn't see a research on that myself. What the the value of it? But they're certainly not poisonous, or you know, they're healthy. Exactly. Oils, yes. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yes. And seeds. 
all seeds have a high concentration of nutrients. And this is what we want to quickly talk about, is when we choose our seeds, what do, would you use perhaps a hybrid? Would you use, which if it had nothing else, would you use a GMO seed? Or would you use a, it's called a change character of the chromosomes? And that's especially in the wheat and grain varieties. That's why we have the conflict of gluten problems with some of the wheat. And I think most people don't understand yet that the old varieties didn't have that problem. Mm -hmm. But the new varieties have that problem. Mm -hmm. And then we had some, have some old varieties, for example, spelt, emmer. One corn. In our bakery right now, we use only spelt. We even use spelt where we before said we were using wheat. And it's on some of the labels, it's still, it's a, a grain, it's a wheat, but we switched all over to spelt. It's so much more digestible. It is a, it, it's called in our Scandinavian Urecorn. It's an old variety. So we go back to the Norsk Landwete if you want to use the wheat, because the wheat is easier to process. Like if you have to process a spelt, it takes one more working process. It, it's not easy to get the spelt out of the shells. I think it's called heirloom. The heirloom would be anything not hybrid, yeah. not GMO. Mm -hmm. Right. That's heirloom. Excuse so, me, can I ask a question? Yes. Is the spelt have to go through one more process? Yes. The spelt has a corn, and then around it is a shell. And that shell has to be taken off. And if it's not done absolutely correctly, then the spelt does not sprout, or the sprouting percentage is much less. And for us, in our situation, in a bakery where we have only sprouted uh, grain, sprouted grain, maybe, are you familiar with sprouted grain? Mm -hmm. um, I think that it says grown a little bit. Right. Yeah. You, you take the grain, you put it for about two days, and the secret is how much in the water and how much on the air, so it doesn't um, spoil. And also, so it, it does grow a sprout. Mm -hmm. And that activates the enzyme 
mm-hmm. in our it's you have a similar effect with sourdough mm-hmm. you also have an effect but the sprouting process together with sourdough is amazing and so we need to know I could perhaps use a hybrid if I have absolutely nothing else but then I would start looking for a heirloom like I said has said here. a heirloom is just bred from what nature has given us from the beginning no changes in, in chromosomes no changes in different parents to make certain characteristics strong yes and it's not I if I don't find organic seed right now I still would use like in cucumbers we have one cucumber it's called soy long it's a Japanese cucumber it's delicious but it's it's almost like a cactus it really has a lot of uh, but it's delicious to eat but it's a little more work to take the cactus off if one or if if it's young you can eat them it's, it's not a problem the other ones for example like a a Diana or they have bred into them a special taste a special growth which are benefits for the market gardeners but they never have the same amount of minerals vitamins because they're so concentrated in growth that it is it is just not no more the original plant which we have. So, GMO, you know what we are talking about, GMO. Uh, gain, chi, chi, manipulated organisms, which are spliced into the genetic material. Uh, for example, we would have a Bacillus thuringiensis. And 30 years ago, Bacillus thuringiensis in organic production was excellent for uh, fungal, for insects to protect, and you would just apply it onto the plants. But later research said even that was not helping the plant it still was stopping the microbial activity and so they came away from using it in organic production but they're using this now in the GMO they're using this bacillus during chances and inject or splice them into the gene material and it becomes a different a different plant this is what so many today cannot digest. Mm-hmm. It's like the villas, our little uptakers of food and minerals, vitamins, they get clogged up and we are not able, we eat a lot, but the body doesn't get it into the blood. And that is one of the 
the greatest. Yes, right. It's in the direction of AI, right? Okay, we must continue. How many of you are there? Two workshops going on. I think it's only one. So most of you will be here, or you have other workshops to attend. No. Okay. Then we have ten two. We just quickly look at the enzyme nutrition from soil to the table. And this we work with the soil food net and the soil food web, which I also will give you the address for. Know your friends, know your microbes, and this will take some time, but you can go just, if you have some time once, go on YouTube and this soil food net or soil food web Soil Food Web is probably the most advanced research in this area. It's led by Dr. Elaine Ingham, and they have done for many years really a wonderful work. It's back to nature. In the degree, doing it correctly, we do not need fertilizers, we do not need chemicals, we have an irrigation system which goes deep into the soil and gets the water up. So they reforested, they revitalize whole areas of even desert conditions back to green producing fields. So you have the earthworms, microbes, beneficial nematodes, the bacterias, mycorrhizas. Mycorrhizas is such a wonderful, is an interacting of roots and soil, and they are the ones who get the nutrients, and they get, in return, they get like starch for their existence, and it is a, it's a symbiosis, it's called. And the last part is what we started out with, uh, which also is in the spiritual area, it's the sacrificials. Anything that happens in God's creation gives itself to produce life again. And to sustain life in this case. So, when we grow, this is back to the table. And this, we have ourselves, we do two, three times a week. My wife does the preparation to make juice. 
And then we make that juice, and we have a juicer who doesn't, it's one of them green stars. Masticator. It's not a centrifugal. It's not centrifugal. Now, this one is very slow. It's masticated. Right, right. So, I, you also get benefits from the champion or from the other juicers which are available, or you just can make a smoothie out of it. But you do not want to change the positive and the negative cycle which is in the plant. Mm -hmm. So you don't want to change that. So we have celery, broccoli, carrots, and even sometimes we use uh, ginger. At this point, we still buy the ginger. I haven't gotten that far to actually do it, but I know here in Denmark, when we come by here, we worked for a while here in Denmark, so then we would go to... It, uh, you have this one store. I'll come back to my mind. It's, and they have a lot of ginger. Very reasonable, organic. Oh. Ah, what is is the? We have menu in Norway. We have. Uh, but you can have organic ginger many places. Many places. I can go up here to the little shop up in Norway. Yeah, you can. They buy have it. ecological. Right, ginger. but you grow it around here in Norway. We don't grow okay. ginger. Mm-hmm. Right. So. It is the part which feeds then our cells. It's with the sprouts coming from the grain to the sprouts to the sandwich. And I'm in a break, I will bring a couple, I call them dessert bread, similar to this, but we made them now more for the holidays. So it's just sprouted. This bread has no yeast, has no additives. Can I ask a question? Yes. And um, when you bake it, you bake it so hard that the enzymes are killed when you bake it, right? There's two ways. When you really your diet has not enough enzymes. In other words, we look for about 60-70% raw. Like your salads, whatever you eat, that at least 60% should be raw. If you do not achieve that, you can make this bread smaller. It's sort of like a, a little roll or a sausage, not too thick. And you give it quite a bit heat for a couple minutes, but the heat doesn't go too deep. Mm -hmm. Soon as it's over 45 degrees, then the microbes, the enzymes, start to die. Mm -hmm. And then we lose the benefit. Then it's, it doesn't really help much with the enzymes, but it still helps. The sprouting process still helps enormously with the minerals. Those who do not die from a high concentration 
No mist. It, it uses its own enzymes to raise it up. So the breaking down picture just now is no yeast. No yeast. No. Actually, I'm going to give you a little taste of your coming close to lunchtime. Some of you might not want to eat between, which I fully agree. But when we come close to lunch, then you can you can try. So, so the second part here. No, now we take a little break. Okay. Mm. I get the rest of my stuff. Mm. I had to unthaw those breads first, so mm -hmm. in order that they're unthawed, so I'm going to get it now. So we take, um, yeah, 10 minute break and. and mm. Have you got a possibility to give some of the principles for making this bread? Yes, I can do that if you promise to use it as a mission outreach. At this point, I cannot, I'm not allowed no, from no. the bakery to give out the recipes, mm -hmm. but we do give the recipes, just like we also actually have received it from sources who said, if you use it for mission, we will help you with it. Mm -hmm. Yes. Okay, let's continue. Here again, also in our second part, that's what we want to keep in mind. Is the everybody has gotten a sheet or tag? No. No? You then? Oh, they are right here. We need to rethink that again. Grow with nature. Grow to live. Grow to give. And here we come some, to some of the more practical parts. This is the mulch garden. We work with different plants in the mulch garden and start out with the micro green garden. How many of you are familiar with the microgreen production today? Some of you doing it? Yeah, my husband is doing it. I have people to do it. My so you need to deliver? Well, we're only doing it for ourselves, but we actually share with many people, even though I buy them small because the produce has been so big, so we've been handing out and our freezers are full. Isn't that a blessing? Absolutely. Really is. We have this little... Within the bakery, we have now a part set aside where we also have greens, especially herbs, 
you you have a whole list of like the sunflowers, the rucolas, the brassicas, the the radishes, uh, and then wheat, for example, out of the spelt is by itself highly nutritious, but you need to choose it. But some of you, a little bit within the salad might be okay. But what do you mean is choose it? But choose it? Juice. No, juice, okay. Juice. I just didn't hear Yeah. Yeah. And then I have no thing here, but this is how we start. And it, again, it's not very clear, it doesn't come, it's, the pixels are too spread. So, we have a system, we use two of those, the one who gets the soil, and here we have a difference in then the general microgreen production. We use organic biological soil, which we press. We, we don't need a lot. We need like three centimeters, three, four centimeters. I make a mix. It's like I make. Uh, I can send you this. If you write your email on I, I send it to you. In this mix, I have some sand, I have some compost, and a little bit clay, and I mix it up. Put it in here, press it down. Here I just talk a few sunflowers with. And the secret here is high concentration of seeds. In other words, a good rule of thumb is you put it so it's almost all of it is covered with that seed. Is that the seeds you are trying to grow? Some of the seeds, yes. But in this case, when you put them so thick, <laughs> they get spindly and they come up, and you want that they come up to make your crop, your production is about this high, <laughs> and you just come and clip it. <laughs> but you can use just a spot of this, or you put it into one of those at the same time you do this in springtime and you could use some of those same seeds and transplant them outside afterwards this is really a winter garden mm -hmm. but it also can be done over summertime if somebody doesn't have a garden outside you can do it outside all summer as well but you do need some light you know, the first two, three days, we keep it dark, actually so dark that we even put the thing on top, that there's no light whatsoever can come to the seeds, and they start to grow, and they start to push, 
you take it off and then they come up. And it is highly interesting. For myself, I see it for those who have serious illnesses today. It is an amazing product because it has the chlorophyll, it is fresh, loaded with nutrients, especially if you do it the microbiological way, the orbital way. It, it is medicine by itself. Which kind of seeds do you use for microgreens? I, right now, I and to the point where we order more and then we sell if somebody else needs some seeds, we sell them. Same in a bakery, we are set up now not to just send bread, uh, baked bread, but we sell the mixes. Mm -hmm. So per people, we sprout it and we dry it, okay. and then they can either blend it up, or we can blend it up for them, but it, it's not so long. You lose some nutrients <coughs> if you store it too long. Mm -hmm. But if you freeze it right away, that still works. You can go at least a year with no problem in freezing it. How do you dry it? Is it, is it a, a dehydrated? Well, we use, we bake, mm -hmm. and then I usually leave some of the grains at the end with, I sprout a little bit more, and what is left over, I put on trolleys, on sheets, and not too thick. In the afterheat of the oven. And if in the afterheat of the oven. Mm -hmm. And also you don't want to have too high heat then. Mm -hmm. Right. So, this is just a simple, uh, taking a couple pounds, make a table on top, so we can have the ones who don't need light go on top, and then once they need light, they go below. Within how much time would you say yours take? It depends which crop. If it is the sunflower seeds, it's like 10, 14 yes. days. Yes, 10, 14 days, and you have a crop. But the smaller, I think, but quicker. So yes, that's right. Like alfalfa and the... Some of the right, basil is a very delicious yes. seed to use. A little more expensive, but it really, it really tastes really good. And that takes also a little bit longer. So you have you have to evaluate. If you do mix some seeds, you have to kind of practice which seeds come about at the same time, because it's not just. The salad seeds, the greens, because you also can do the same thing with your herbs. Mm. Yes, works very nice. Do you sell? You sell uh, these trays when people come along? At this point, I just refer them to to LOK in Norway. You probably have so something. that they can make their own. You, you tell them how to do it. Yes. Yes. Okay. Right. But we do have available the spelt and rye. So some of the dry things. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And so mostly in 
dried grains and flowers. And now we are also starting to mix, make a mix, which you actually can put into your bread machine and we'll just, yeah. And this I have to say, this bread here, it's the Ezekiel 49 bread. Okay. <laughs> if we get some in the kitchen here, they will. They have some there. If they need it, we'll we'll see if we get some. That is not a Ezekiel four nine. That is just a regular spelt bread, which is also it's, it's very good. But the Ezekiel four nine, if you read the research on it. It's one of the most complete proteins that exists. Yes, so it's, I mean, it's very comparable with, with the meat, with actually for the body even superior. Yes, superior. Right. And it, this one I noticed, it does, I have millet in there, rye in there, and probably a little too much beans. I sprouted the beans actually specifically for for today and I the beans grew much more so that the percentage of beans is, is a little higher than what is impossible. Yes. But you can't really make a big mistake. So the recipe is so easy that all you need to do is sprouted, find a way to blend it. You can just use a blender, but then you have to add a little water, and then I use oat flakes to dry it up again. And it works very nice. The first time I made uh, uh, sprouted bread, I used an old meat grinder. Yes. Mm -hmm. You can find those in old exactly. food stores right. for nothing. Right. What an outreach it was. We have in Wisconsin, that's our home base in the U.S., our son lives there. And while we were gone, the Mennonites moved in. <coughs> and they have high values in spiritual things, family life. But as far as nutrition, there is, they have no concept of health. But they know they should. So we are in the process now working together with them to make gluten-free sausages. Basically a spelt meat. You can call it. something like that. You could make it as a bar, but then we make it just as a sausage. Yeah, we have already the machines and the things, but now we have to. We have already tried to market it. So we need to get moving here. Here, that so that was the what we just went through. That's the mini farm, the micro farm. Here we come to the hill system. Sorry to take you back just a little in, in the in the third. Uh, you mentioned water from the bottom. Right. How do you do that? Is that drip irrigation, or you just pour it in a trough at the bottom? Okay. There's two thoughts on that. 
The one I mentioned yeah. is when the biological activity is so good mm-hmm. and you open the heart pan, which most of the machinery has created today, mm-hmm. but also clay can be very tough. So <clears throat> I have it in there. It's called the broad fork or just a digging fork with four things on it. And all I do then is just put it in and just move it around. No turning, nothing. And as soon as it's just open a little bit, then the roots find the way down. And amazing results. They go as much as 5, 10, 15 feet. <coughs> That's 5 meters down. And can get the water up. So it's uh, it's a natural irrigation system. Have you ever thought of when God said He watered the earth with the dew? I always thought, hmm, how is that possible? That also says it hasn't rained on the land before. That's right. Mm-hmm. Now the Israelis and also in in Morocco, they have whole areas where this is now possible. It is going down and it gets the water up and there are specific plants which are better, they're called mining plants, Mm -hmm. which go very deep, get the water up and once the vegetation has started on top, to do at night, even in the desert, it puts a little water on the grass and that grass Gets, the water gets taken into the plant, to the roots. So in the morning, when before the sun burns it off, the roots drink that water in. And the system is it's God-given. Mm-hmm. Now, um, the other thought mm-hmm. is watering here. Right. In the microgreen farm, is the most important part is that it doesn't get water from above. Or if you do, you really have to know what you're doing. Assume because you have so many seeds and they come so dense that mold grows quickly mm-hmm. if you're not careful. Mm-hmm. What it is easy to do. If um, you have a tray with holes and you put that one on top and you can, in the beginning, you can just put some water in the lower tray. Mm. And after, if you have many, you can just make a system, a tank above and a little hose goes in here and you can, every couple hours on a timer and you can put a little water in. Mm. And it, it really works now. It's, it's also almost free of labor. It's, it's not much work. How about putting the trays on, please? They do. You can, but then you still need to have some way to vet the fleece. Yeah, okay. Yeah. But it, it, some of them just use uh, cocoa. Yeah. Yeah. Place different, yeah, and it works. But if you 
just unfleece with the roots, you miss the biological. No, I, I just need it as as a watering system. Yeah, yeah. as a watering. Like, the, like with microgreens, I've heard that normally they don't bother with the soil because all the ingredients are in the seed for those first few weeks. Mm-hmm. Is that why, why do you do the soil? True, but there's also research now. The very beginning, the seed has enough, but as soon as the roots go down, and they have also some of the, it's like a semi-liquid from the soil, and they can get even more than just its own seed. So it, it is truly a benefit if they have a combination of its own energy and the energy from the soil. I'd say that when you talk about the sprouting, this okay, is microgreens, yeah. it's two yes, different things. Yes. Like sprouting, I, we don't use any so, soil medium. Right, no soil. Because that wouldn't help them. Right. Any other questions on that? Yeah. Example of seeds that you use. Example of seeds. Yeah, you mentioned sunflower seeds. Yes. <coughs> Actually, if you go... <laughs> this gallery has already a microgreen section in there where you can look. Not all of them are organic yet, but uh, they're not GMO. So then we can go to the microgreen and you can look it up. You order it. And if you really want to get into it, go on YouTube. There's different growers give you the different ideas. Maybe maybe we should just add that the that the seeds that you use for growing microgreens, sunflower seeds, is uh, they are with the skin on, with the shell on. With the and shell. It's, and it's black seeds, and you have to find them. And it's not the ones you buy in the shop. And and. Because I tried to grow them and I didn't understand why they didn't come up and I had to right. study it to find out. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Like on this one, this is also one who is actually shelled. They still grow, but they don't grow as nice. No, so it has to be the black. Yeah. 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 It would still sprout, but not as good. Now for the Ezekiel bread, that's why I have this. I use this in yes. Otherwise, there will be too much picking of shell. <laughs> okay, this is the thought yet which I like to get across. When you have a little bigger garden, or it can be a very small garden, if you just take the first couple of meters and think of it as your little garden. The system of making a hill has proven itself all over the world. We worked with intensively now in Central America. We also worked in Africa and India is working with it. Asia, I don't have the experience yet the hill system now it's ideal 
when you need to convert from a regular garden to a Oribio garden. In other words, you have here, we obviously we had to do some uh, cultivating in the beginning to get it to this situation, to, to get it to the kind of soil like we have, like we have here. Once you work out the system, and actually this is what I need to get for. And for the small garden, you look at this as the walkway. This is a walkway, and this is a walkway. And if you have opportunity for a small, or you're coming to the market garden, if you're a little bigger, you combine this with the width of what factor you're using. Like we do a rather large garden, and we we work full time. Besides, so if it, you need to find ways so it, it gets done, it's about one point six meters from center to center, but. You also, you can make whatever you like. If you don't use a tractor, it doesn't matter. But the system you need to develop is always the same. And you walk always on the same place. It's probably a secret. To walk in this part. When I don't have a tractor, this part is... The chips, wood chips. Or if you don't have, you find some other means of covering that area so the weeds don't come through. And at the same time, organic matter is breaking down and brings bacteria back into the, into the soil. Mm. Wood chips works very nice. If you don't have wood chips, we, in the beginning, now cultivated, but now we already now have one-third of the garden no more driving there. It is no-till. In other words, now we go over to the green mineral part, and now we come to that later. But what I want to show you here now, I don't know if you can see this little part, but it looks like when it then grown fully up. Can you... Can I ask you a question? When you put the crosses there, is that what is down or is that which is up? Is it down? Yes. So, so the middle is the top, right? It's underneath. The tractor would run here or you would walk yeah. here? Yeah. Mm -hmm. In the middle, what's the nice part if you start your garden? In the middle, you, you fill that up with, at the bottom you can use old rotten 
materials which you can find it in the forest, which just about falls apart. And you lay it in there. And then, in, in fall time, you prepare that for over winter to work. And you just lay that in here, first with that coarse material, and then you bring in a little bit of the soil. In other words, you come from here, bring some in, and from over here you bring, and make it almost flat. You keep about 12, 15 centimeters under the peak, so that's the peak, so you come down a little bit, you fill that in, and the rest here gets filled in with your compost. And it's an amazing system. So you had a trench full of compost being held in by two Exactly. Exactly. Is that then feeding the plants? Yes. yes. Yeah. Okay. What, what it actually does here, we always have wheat seeds which come with the wind, which yeah. come from below, which you always have to work with. As soon as you have that part, the compost has no wheat seeds because you heated the compost to about 100 degrees Celsius in that neighborhood. Yeah, it will be about 100. And some of them is, is like, it, it gets good and hot. Once that process is done, you have a bed for a long time, which doesn't, it's almost labor-free, it's very friable on top, and here you have your wood chips, no weeds there, all of a sudden gardening becomes very easy. So are you planting in the trench, or just, you just continue? I still make, I bring that in, and then I still have two rows afterwards, one here, and one here, depends what kind of vegetable or plant you need. You can broadcast. Like carrots? You could even broadcast the carrots. Okay. So you or can you can plant on the Right. Yep. But do you put something on top to make, to, to make sure that you don't get a lot of seeds on it? No, there is not a lot of uh, so much weeds coming in with the wind. No. You wouldn't have to cover. No. Huh? No. We have, uh, in Sweden, several large farms which just do it this way. They, they just use one little thing and they cover it even if, they, if you want to for heat, but not necessarily for weeds. Uh, how, how, how would this affect if you have a problem with crackers? With what? Yes. I'll get to the, the crack roots right away. This is what it looks a little later on. This the potato field, and we grow our we do for testing purposes. We use rye and oats. Right now we need gluten-free oats. You would say, well, oats doesn't have gluten. What if somebody's celiac? Mm -hmm. Anyone in here? 
when you maybe heard about the person who is, um, has celiacy, they cannot tolerate anything. Mm-hmm. So therefore you need to have a combine, a casket, which is cleaned all the time, so that it's certified no, no kernels besides oats, then you can use it. So we have, now we make also gluten-free, gluten-free products. So then it needs to be totally free, certified free. But what we're working with is also how to integrate grain now into the green manure. And we have green manure right over here. That is live. And the newer parts, we just, we already have the seeds. It's white clover in our area, which work the best. So when this is finished now, the potatoes, we have a little potato digger, which takes it out. Not a big machine, just a little tractor. It's nice and crumbly. It's just the right time to put green manure in. By green manure, I mean those seeds which you spread cover the ground, build a root system, bring up nutrients, and it's to the point that you can intercede grain into this cover crop. It's also called cover crop. Green anyway. Does does white clover also bind to the nutrient? Yes, it's a nitrogen fixing uh, plant. Alfalfa is very good, but then alfalfa competes. We tried it once. My husband said don't do that again. Yeah. Exactly, yes, exactly. But the the job afterwards is that you have a field with white clover, keeps the weeds out and keeps the weeds out the weeds down, and you just need to open a little bit and that we do with mulch. Well, before our time is running out. I just wanna real quick see show you here. This part we have used, it's called Pokashi fertilizer. This is, in other words, from the grain. We dry it, and like if we have something who, if we have a batch of bread who, for some reason, either something fell down or something we cannot use for human consumption. Then we put that aside and we grind it up and it makes an excellent fertilizer. That's what we use. We use a little bit there, but here we use like for each potato hill, we would use like a good handful. Gave it to the potato plant. Breadcrumbs. Breadcrumbs. But they cannot be heated, then they are sprouted, dried, and then ground up. But the drying has not been to a high temperature. Mm-hmm. And the, the results really have proven it, it's amazing. 
There are just a few how we can store, how we can looking for annuals and, and perennials. That means plants you have just one year, or better yet, look for plants you can have several years. Here is the probably the last part we want to look at is the mulching process. This is a new berry patch which just full of crackers. I mean, it was it's all crackers. And the first year, just to get started, I had to take out some of the crackers. But now, it's just by mulching. Mulching with these kind of leaves, any kind of leaf, mulching with grass clippings, the best when you have from your lawnmower, collect it and use it around the plants, excellent. If you don't have, look for a white hay bale. Go ask the farmer if he has one who made it from last year which fell open or had a hole and it started to decompose, makes a little mold on it. For the soil, no problem. It's a problem for a cow, but for the soil that just, the beneficial bacteria is just take care of it. So I would get a bale, and I have several bales, mm -hmm. and I just roll up, get a friend or your wife or somebody to help you roll it up, mm -hmm. and it, it really works good. And underneath, secret is, it has to be 15 centimeters. If it's less, 10 centimeters, you can get by it, but you have to go over it often. Wherever crack grass is coming up, you have to cover them again right away. And it works. It really works. <coughs> we have now, just on the left side here, a whole strawberry patch, just thick, with strawberries. And only by mulching. And also this, this is also the strawberries here, and they are so thick now that I need to cut a path through them, otherwise they're too thick and don't make any berries. <coughs> here are just a few different plants which we need to interact with one another. I need the mushrooms, Personally, I don't really eat mushrooms so much. But for eating compost, they're excellent. They're the franchise, and I need the franchise. And there you come into, you can go just the different uh, online courses on YouTube on how to select these different bacteria, microbes, fungi, mycelias, and we can, according to the plan, we can guess it. But if you have a large investment, large operation, then you need to take the micro microscope and see what do I have, what do I need. Here, just from the carrots, 
but also this pizza is uh, fell into pixels but the sauce we make out of these carrots and potatoes and it works very well so this is then some of the products we have in uh, in a bakery <clears throat> yes and then here you have to you can write down to soil food web is this catalog Johnny's catalog you can look at it this catalog if two or three people get together and you order over fifty dollars which is actually quickly made. You, you just need to watch that it stays private. If it gets too much, it's difficult to get it over the border. But if it's not too much, I think it's 50, 400 kroners, Danish kroners in, in this area. If it's more than 80 kroners, we have to pay taxes. In Denmark? Yes. Oh, no, it's 400 it is in Norway. Not in three days. Pardon? They're, they're doing away with that. You still have to pay in full on everything. Oh, really? No, moons on it. But not custom. MBA. MBA, yeah. Moons, but not all. But what about custom? Depends on if they're standard. They're taking away this, this limit. Okay. But we have to start paying something on everything. Yeah, and that was, I don't really mind it's still, the price is reasonable from the state. It's the custom you have to pay extra if you're over a certain amount. Right. It's not just the months. It's the that's import what, that, tax. I think that's what's going to disappear. But, but I think they have a lot in England and, and maybe sometimes we can also look to Germany. I don't know how it's in Norway, but at least in Denmark still, we can get much of it from England. Um, yeah, okay. Yes, especially if you travel, like if we travel from Denmark to Norway, right now it is 5,000 or 6,000, 6,000. I can take away. You can break stuff in physically, but not through the mail. Right. Okay, so this one is a very interesting one. If you maybe just want to take a picture of that. And that alkaline acid foods, so important. It's in soil as well, in a plant and in our bodies. So important. Actually, it's one of the secrets. There is a, a very simple way to check in the soil as well as in your body, where you act about. For myself, when I'm on grain who is not sprouted, which is acidic, when it's sprouted, it's neutral to slightly alkaline. If I eat too much acidic food, I cannot tolerate between my toes anything or it starts to it starts to like split soon as I put it into normal range again gone. yes so 
you also can go on to Biofit. That's how we actually sell the products in Norway. It's a company. We work with the same company, basically. But we market it through Biofit. So if you go on the internet, you can get some of those products. I guess it's time to quit. Yep. Okay. So that was it. I said, could you close with the word prayer? Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for um, bringing this message to us that even nature itself uh, contains secrets that we actually are able to uh, understand better through your word. Please help us uh, understand that your will for us is not only to to come to heaven, but also have a good life here. Uh, and that means to be a witness, that means to take care of our environment, that means to, to uh, understand how uh, even small plants grow, both to give us nutrients, to give us health, but also to be small examples of your word and how that affects us and how it should be uh, shared and digested. Thank you for all your blessings. In Jesus' name, amen. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.